Hey, welcome to the Rooted to Live podcast. And uh, here in Raleigh, North Carolina, it's raining. Can you hear it? I was going to go for a run and looking for a reason to not run. This is a good this is a good reason, I think. A psalm came to mind today. I thought I'd share it with you. It's Psalm chapter 63. And uh, the first two verses say, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. This uh, wilderness experience became like an opportunity for David to worship in the text. Usually when we see someone in a literally thirsty place, or literal thirsty place I should say, after a long run or a hot summer day, or in the desert, we know that they desire their thirst to be quenched. But David says, where he is, he says, earnestly I seek you, God. What do you think it means to seek, thirst, or long after God? It may do well to spend some time considering what it is you most long for, or have you ever really been, I don't know, this phrase may seem weird, but like thirsty for God and His presence and power in your, in your life. It seems a familiar trend of God to lead His own people into the wilderness, doesn't it? When we read the scriptures, and even when we get honest and think about the reality of our own lives. There are like these dry places in life, these dry times. Um, these places in life or situations in life, seasons in life where we don't see really a lot of movement or aren't sure what's going on. Have you been in the desert place in your life? No direction or seem lost? Maybe feel alone? How is it that God can quench our true thirst in such a place? See, for the spiritually thirsty, the downcast in spirit, or when we have those days of a lack of deep-rooted contentment, or we're looking for the peace in the storms of life, it really can only be satiated by, by one. The only thing suitably quenching is the nearness of God. You know what is interesting about the desert places and times in life? We, we always assume that the desert is not where we belong. Being thirsty is not what we're meant to be. You know what? That proves my point, too. Uh, running. Maybe running is not what we're meant for. It creates thirst. But in life, when we make these assumptions that those dry seasons of life, those, those seasons of wanting, like we shouldn't be there. But truthfully, being led to the desert is actually the best place for us at times because it's there just like David did where we can experience being close to God for David as he reflected in the desert he's reminded that he's witnessed God's power and glory when have you witnessed the power and glory of God maybe in creation maybe looking at the waves in the ocean or seeing his handiwork in this in the heavens maybe you've seen someone's life saved or changed or a healing of some sort when have you witnessed the power and glory of god for david for him it's like he's going to that 
those places in his mind. He's remembering God's power even in the place of uh, the wilderness. The next few verses in Psalm 63, this is verses 3 through 5. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. David writes that God's love is better, more valuable than life itself. How is it possible to hold that view in our souls, that God's love is better than life? Like a soul being satisfied, like when our stomachs are satisfied with great food, uh, places that come to mind are Magianos, all you can eat. What about the soul being satisfied? David says that God's love is what's satisfied. It's better than life itself. In verse 4, we see that David is, has his hands lifted up and open to God. Though holding no sacrifice toward God, it actually depicts the readiness to receive every good gift which comes from God. It's, it's a posture of trust in God alone. In verse 5, David says, The richest of good foods are satisfied with fat and rich foods. It's speaking of the spiritual and emotional satisfaction of the divine presence of God, that he's with you. What David only knew in part, we're invited to know in a fuller sense in Christ that, that our spiritual longings, our thirst, and our hunger can be satisfied only by Christ. Interestingly enough, Jesus often used the imagery of food. He calls himself the bread of life and that he has living water. He says he has food to eat of which we do not know. These ideas relay just like your body needs food and water, our lives need the presence of the power of the Lord. And that we can search the world over to, to meet this thirst and this hunger for our souls that our souls crave, but will only be satisfied in Christ. What keeps us from experiencing that? Well, when our eyes aren't on Christ, obviously they're in something else. When we seek to meet the hunger and thirst that our soul has in the desert places of life, we usually take time to try to fill it with something else, but it never works, does it? Psalm 63, verse 6 and 8. When, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So whether it's in the morning or evening, David is looking toward God. It's not a quiet time only. It's a relationship. David uses the phrase, I remember you. It means to, to recall what God has said and done in the past and then applying it to the present situation. So the person who's spiritual thirst, uh, distress in circumstances, or loneliness, they're invited always to actually recognize and remember God's character of faithfulness and loving kindness in the present situation. In verse 7, David speaks of the shadow of your wings. We see the same idea throughout scriptures, and those who trust in God are safe in him. Jesus uses the same phrase concerning his desire to, to gather his people. That's found in John chapter 10. In verse 8, David says, my soul cleaves, or my soul clings to you. Soul cleaving is probably the best translation. It includes both the submissive faith and the active pursuit of God. My, my soul follows close behind you. It cleaves to you, David is saying. This is in response to God's repeated invitation in his law that we find in the book of Deuteronomy. It relays unfailing commitment to the Lord. But, but David also says that God's righteous right hand upholds him. 
The righteous right hand of God is the symbol of ultimate strength. What we see here is, is we see it in both ways, and that David cleaves to God, but that God will never let him go. When did you last experience the strength of God? When did you last really drink in the blessing of God's presence in your life and let it satisfy the loneliness, let it satisfy the wondering, the wandering, this feeling of what's going on in my life? God, what are we doing? Where am I going? Why do I feel far from you? Invite him in. Speak to him. Remember what he's done. And worship him. The rain stopped now. And my soul thirst is clenched.